This episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio is a platform that helps growth-focused e-commerce brands drive more sales with super-targeted, highly relevant email, Facebook, and Instagram marketing. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Steve Farber. He is the founder and CEO of the Extreme Leadership Institute and he's also the author of a book we're going to talk about today, Love is Just Damn Good Business. Do what you love in the service of people who love what you do. So Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks, John. It's great to be here with you. So there's been a lot written over the years about this idea of do what you love. And actually, I think one of the great distinctions that you have added to this is in the service of people who love what you do. And I think a lot of people get that equation wrong. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, do what you love is uh, it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice to have. Right. It's uh, and, and we, we we all aspire to that. I would I would guess. I don't think there's many human beings that would say, nah, I'm really not interested in that. Um, but this this whole notion of that's all it takes. That's the end of the story. If you can reach that, everything is taken care of is really uh, not accurate. Um, so, for example, if all I'm doing is what I love. Right. That's it. And I don't care about the impact of what that is on anybody else, as long as I'm doing what I love. That's just another way of saying narcissism. So, you know, doing what you love is important, but for what purpose and toward what end? So do what you love in the service of people who love what you do, I believe really creates the the full context for that. So yes, I'm doing what I love, but I'm using that, I'm tapping into that, I'm harnessing that in order to give great value to you, to you, my colleague, to you, my employee, to you, my customer. So yes, I'm doing what I love, but I'm using that to give great value to you. And if I do that to its fullest, what's going to happen is you're going to reciprocate. You're going to love me in return. And that's that's where our great customers come from, among other things. Yeah, I, I can think of half a dozen things that I love to do that no one would pay me for. But one of the things that I think is missed, and I think maybe you, I, I want to pull this out of you a little bit because over the years, what I've experienced is that it's almost cyclical. You're going to love your, your, the, the, if you're doing something for people who love what you do, it's going to increase your loving what you do. Uh, and I think that a lot of people, you know, I tell people all the time that are looking for, you know, how do I find that thing I love? I I, you know, I tell people all the time, get good <laughs> at something and I bet you love it. And I think it's the same way here. Get good at serving some ideal client, delivering tons of value. And it's actually going to increase how you love your business. Yeah, I think it's a really important point. You know, we, we like to kind of sort things out and to make them into a nice, neat, linear kind of a formula or a process. And and it all it's very organic right so like like you said if i'm if i'm doing work that i'm not particularly fond of right but i've been doing it for a while and i've gotten really good at it and then and then i start to notice that well you know i, I really enjoy being good at this and and i and i like the the impact that it's having on people and and maybe i've made some great relationships at work and maybe you know i i get letters from my customers or clients telling me what kind of difference I've made in their lives. There's, and then pretty soon it starts to dawn on me, you know what, I really do. At first maybe it's, I'm rather fond of this. <laughs> and over time it becomes more, it can become more of a passion. 
Right. So I'm sure I'm sure you have to defend this all the time if you're going to put love in uh, the title of a business book that you know loves this kind of soft thing. Um, I've actually experienced it to be really hard, <laughs> but I don't think I don't think you're talking about the greeting card kind of love, are you? No, uh, I'm not talking about love as a sentiment, but more like love as a as a practice and a discipline. Right. So saying the words is easy. You know, writing the card is nice. Uh, and people, you know, it makes people feel good to get to get a nice card. And I think that's something we should all do. But in business, it's not simply about going through uh, gestures like that. It's about really, you know, I, I like to call it operationalizing love as a business practice. So what we have to answer is, what does that look like? What does love look like in our business or what should it look like? If I want to create an environment, for example, that people love working in, because I understand that people that love working here are going to do better work and they're going to attract other people like them. They're going to be my best recruiters. I'm going to, and I'm going to attract and retain the best possible talent, right? If I want to create that kind of environment that I believe we all should, then I've got to ask the question, what do I need to do differently to show the people that work with me, for me, and around me that I love them and that I appreciate their working here and that I, I value their contribution? What do I have to do in terms of of how I how I engage them in making decisions and the physical environment and the you know our policies and procedures it it filters into all of that. So you're right, love is not soft. It is hard, and it takes discipline and it takes practice. And yeah, I suppose there's a bit of a risk in, in slapping it right there on the front cover of a book. But you know that's the con- I've been doing this for 30 years, John. This is the conclusion that I've come to. It's inescapable. It's inescapable. So why not just you know put it out there and you know sound the trumpets, et cetera? Yeah, and I'm you know I'm I'm on board. I've been saying it for thirty years as well. However, probably like you, I remember it was about till about fifteen years ago that you didn't get a lot of eye rolls. Uh, still, even with business people, hardcore business people that thought you know show me the money, show me the numbers on this uh, kind of stuff. But I'm finding more and more people, and I may maybe it's a Maybe it's a symptom of the fact that there is there seems to be no no division between you know work and play and family and you know there's it's like it's all kind of run together uh, today and and are, do you feel like that dynamic has actually made it easier for people to accept this idea of something that maybe was seen as oh no I love my family and I love you know my 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 church and my, you know, that, that kind of stuff that was over there. Um, but now, you know, now I cross over the door into the business and I'm a different person. And it seems like that's gone away a little, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it has. I think, I think we're, you know, we're progressing along those lines. And having said that, you know, I, I, um, for, for your, uh, more mature listeners, uh, who, who may remember Tom Peters, uh, and I, I wish that everybody would, but the, the younger generation doesn't know him as well. Uh, you know, I was vice president of Tom's company back in, in the 90s, uh, from 94 to 2000. So Tom Peters, you know, is arguably one of the one of the greatest management thinkers of our day. And we were talking about this stuff back then in the in the early and the mid 90s uh, that we need to create, you know, people want to do meaningful work and they want to love their work. And we should create an environment that people can really, you know, do incredible things and so, so the, the concept is nothing new, but then using the word love overtly out front as a challenge to people, that's still a little bit new. So what I found is what is, I think you and I are, have experienced the same thing. There is um, very little eye rolling 
that happens in response to this when it's when it's put in the right context, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if I were to come out on stage in one of my keynotes and say, listen, man, you know, the solution is all you need is love. Just just love everybody and let's let's all be happy all the time. I get, I, you know, they, they, it would empty the room. But that's not what this is. So so the argument, if if that's the right word, is our competitive advantage comes from having our customers and clients love what we do for them. That's it. I mean, we all we should all know that by now. Anything short of that, there's no loyalty, right? So then let's back it up one more step. The only way to really create that kind of experience for customers in a meaningful and sustainable way over time is to create a culture or an environment or a team or a company that people love working in. And I can't do that as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a business person, as a colleague. I can't create or contribute to that kind of culture that people love working in unless I love this, the team, the company, the values we stand for, the customers that we're serving, myself first. Yeah, and like so many things related to love, I mean, it's pretty hard to fake it. Um, you know, you've got some great case studies of companies that have uh, shown, you know, ROI, shown, you know, proven results from taking this point of view. But I'm sure you've also worked with or talked with organizations that, that are, you know, yeah, we're on board. You're right. This makes sense. We're going to, everybody's going to love our company now. <laughs> so how do you actually do that, you know, as opposed to just having a meeting about it and uh, once a quarter? Yeah, so that's the thing. It is it is about doing it, not having done it or having talked about it at a meeting and checking it off of your list. That's what I mean when I say it's a discipline and a practice, right? So so really what it starts with though, I believe it does start with with laying the expectation out there, right? We to say to say to your team, we want to create an experience that our customers are going to love is a very different challenge from saying we want to improve customer service, right? And so if I, say, if I say to you, if you're on my team, we're brainstorming together, and I say to the team, hey, how can we better show our customers that we love them? We're going to get a different quality of idea than if we say, how do, how do we improve customer service? So the languaging is important, but it's just the start, right? So then the question is, well, if, if that's really what we want, so if you want to create an environment that people love working in for all the reasons we just talked about, then what should that look like in the way that we do business, in the way that we that we contribute to this culture, in in all of the you know nuts and bolts and the very fabric of the way that we do business. And that's something that we need to work on consistently over time. It's not something that, you know, everybody, you know, slap the copy of Love is Just Damn Good Business on everybody's desk and say, read it and voila, <laughs> you know, well, we're, all, we're all a bunch of, uh, you know, now we're all driving around in Volkswagen bugs and Beatles and, you know, and uh, that, that's not, that's, that is not what this is. It takes practice and discipline over time. And what I find really interesting about this, John, is, is that our collective um, expectation as business people, and, I, and I've seen this in, in North America, I've seen it around the world, our expectation is that that people see that love has no place at work. Yet, and I can't prove this scientifically, but anecdotally I will tell you that most people that I talk to and work with, they already get this. They already knew this. They just thought that maybe something was wrong 
with them, right? They already had this impulse and this idea and this kind of you know tendency, but they've been conditioned to believe that that it has no place at work. So we've got this weird kind of dynamic going on that everybody everybody thinks that everybody's going to be resistant to this idea. But, but really, very few people are. I mean, there certainly are some, and there are going always going to be some people that say, you know what, this is this is not going to happen in our business. I paid people, and they do their job, and that's it. And that's cool. That's cool. I'm just not going to end up working with those people, most likely. I'm not in the business of convincing anybody of anything. Yeah, it's got to be people who love what you do, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I think so. Yeah, so really, really, you know, I'm not in the business of convincing anybody, but I am in the business of confirming what people, what a lot of people already know and just haven't known what to do with it. I want to remind you that this episode is brought to you by Clavio. Clavio helps you build meaningful customer relationships by listening and understanding cues from your customers. And this allows you to easily turn that information into valuable marketing messages. There's powerful segmentation, email autoresponders that are ready to go, great reporting. You want to learn a, bit, a little bit about the secret to building customer relationships? They've got a really fun series called Clavio's Beyond Black Friday. It's a docu-series, a lot of fun, quick lessons. Just head on over to clavio.com beyond BF, beyond Black Friday. So you have a bit of a model that you call LEAP. Um, as kind of the, the pillars of this. And um, maybe briefly you could, L-E-A-P, st- tell us what those stand for. But then I'd like you to kind of come back and say, okay, if I've got a successful remodeling business, for example, a local business, you know, how do I bring Leap into play now? So first unpack Leap, and then let's go into kind of how that would uh, work in a real business. Sure. So, um, and by the way, you know, this, this whole model is built on observations of real business. So, so this was not, you know, created in an ivory tower saying, well, what, what sounds nice and that people would buy, right? This is observation trying to encapsulate what I've learned in 30 years of doing this work. But LEAP is the, it's the roadmap or the framework. It stands for love. That's the first foundational element to this. Energy, audacity, and proof. Love, energy, audacity, and proof. I first wrote about this model in my first book called The Radical Leap, which came out in its first edition way back in 2004. So this model has been out there for quite some time. Lots of companies and individuals have been using it to great success in their business. So it's, there's, a, there's a, um, an action element to all this. So if I take love, energy, audacity, and proof and put it into an action phrase, it's cultivate love, generate energy, inspire audacity, and provide proof. So love is what we've been talking about here so far. It's really the foundation for this whole thing. Energy is the, you know, the juice, the enthusiasm, the engagement that we bring to bear on everything that we do. Audacity is a pretty highly charged word. And I, I define it as a bold and blatant disregard for normal constraints in order to change things for the better. So it's not think outside the box. It's more like what box? Right. And then finally, proof is everything from the results that we get. So, you know, as business people, our proof is, is in, you know, it, largely in the bottom line, certainly. But proof is also also has a personal element to it. Am I proving that I mean what I say? I'm not just saying it. I just mean what I say. And I prove that through the consistency and congruence between my words 
and my actions. I say something, you see me do it. It's the old walk your talk, practice what you preach, lead by example kind of a thing, right? So love, energy, audacity, and proof. So in a business, like a remodeling business or a, or a, any, any, you know, any professional services company or any Fortune 100 company for that matter, uh, the, the question is, whatever it is that you are working on, uh, so if it's your, the business as a whole or a particular project, can I cultivate the love for this, for this project, idea, business, et cetera? Can I generate if or let, let me th- think of it this way, if I can cultivate the love for it, generate the energy necessary in order to get that done, inspire myself and others to be audacious in its pursuit with you know generating big ideas and taking bold action and provide proof along the way that I'm making progress, whatever it is that I'm trying to do, I have a better chance of succeeding in it, right? Absolutely. I, I will tell you by observation, I've worked with thousands of businesses and increasingly this idea of love and energy and even proof, I think make a lot of sense to, to anybody who's trying to run a business this way. Uh, the one that really struck me is I see very little people thinking at least proactively about the potential impact their business is having on the world. Um, and some occasionally after the fact, wow, we really, we didn't mean to, but we sure helped a lot of people, you know, seems like. Um, and I think that, I think that, well, again, this is just personal bias. I, I think that idea um, for a lot of existing businesses probably has more potential than than any component of this because I think I think it's so radically different than how most operate. Yeah, so I think that varies from company to company for sure. But but just to give you a little confirmation of your of your instinct there, John, I I did a survey. This has been maybe at least five years ago now. I just went out to my list. And, you know, most folks are are at least, you know, relatively familiar with with that leap framework. And I said, of these four, love, energy, audacity, and proof, what do you feel you need the most help with? And audacity came out number one uh, by a factor of like three to one. Uh, and, and I think so there's a lot there's a lot to, uh, as we like to say nowadays, unpack there. Uh, but but there's uh, audacity involves risk, right? It's, it's challenging the norms. It's going beyond the status quo and risk by definition is a, is, is, is a scary thing. If it didn't feel scary. We wouldn't feel like we're taking a risk. I mean, a risk means there's no guarantee of a positive outcome and that scares us. Right. Uh, and the only way to really ch- have a huge impact and, and be innovative and be a market leader is is to take risks. We all, again, we know it intellectually. Every business book that's ever been written tells us that we need to do that. But there's a difference between the intellectual understanding and the actual experience of it, right? So the connection there is, if I really love this idea, I'm much more likely to take a risk in order to carry it out. So there's a very strong connection. You know, love and fear are kind of two sides of the same coin here. Love is the motivation that gets me to step up, and the fear associated with audacity is is what the experience feels like and kind of the, some of the things that I need to do. So if you expand that to its fullest, the, the, the most audacious thing that we can do as business people and as individuals is to, to strive to change the world for the better to have that impact that you were just talking about. And a lot of companies don't, if I'm, if I'm going to remodel somebody's kitchen, for example, I'm not thinking about changing the world. I'm thinking about all the stuff that I got to get done, hopefully on time and, and, and within the budget, right? 
And 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 if we can do that, man, that's really that's really something. Well, that's proof. That that's proof. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, that's proof that we do. And very important, so- right? But here's the thing: with a little a little bit of added perspective, okay. So listen, if I remodel this person's kitchen, am I changing the world? Well, maybe not world with a capital W, but but I'm damn well changing the world of their family, and I'm having I'm having an impact by by doing phenomenal work for them. And if I do phenomenal work for them and their family feels that for, you know, for decades to come, are you going to tell me that that's not going to impact my business in terms of my reputation and, and the, you know, the word of mouth and referrals and all that stuff? Of course it is. But we just, you know, we just think we limit ourselves. We, we, we limit our, the, 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 our own view of our capability to change at least our piece of the world for the better. And those small W worlds, as I like to refer to them, they add up and we are having an impact. So you don't have to be, you know, Gandhi, Martin Luther King, Mother Teresa changed the world. You could be, you know, Bob or Jane, the, the, the interior designer that changes the world of their customers. And that's a phenomenal thing. Well, over the years, uh, my best uh, clients, I do you know, marketing consulting. And over the years, my best clients are ones that, that, that I started actually looking for them as, the, uh, as a behavior uh, were the ones that were trying to change their industry. You know, they were trying to raise it up. They participated in it. They were on committees. <laughs> they were in their association. And I think that, I think that that, you know, that's not much of a leap to have a, 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 you know, a pretty significant impact on your industry. But I think it's more the point of view of that's, that's one of our goals, you know, rather than just getting through the day. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, I think just like anything else, people get involved in, you know, causes and associations for any number of reasons. And there are, there are those people that, that will do that because they, for networking, they want to make the connections. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you can always tell the difference for somebody who's who's involved in, let's just say, an association, for example, involved in an association because they they're, they want to make contacts that will help their business and those that want to really leverage the collection of people there to do something phenomenal. You can tell the difference. And, and I think the more we tap into that part of ourselves or culture that part of ourselves, the more possibilities it opens up for us in business – um, and in our communities and beyond. Speaking with Steve Farber, he's the author of Love is Just Damn Good Business. So Steve, why don't you tell people where they can find the book and, of course, find uh, more about your work? Sure. Uh, well, you know, the book, of course, is available wherever fine books are sold, uh, <clears throat> you know, including, of course, Amazon, etc. And uh, you can find me at stevefarber.com. And if you can remember my name, you can find me pretty much anywhere. So on Twitter, it's at Steve Farber and Instagram is Steve Farber and LinkedIn is Steve Farber and Facebook is Steve Farber. You get the, you get the picture. Um, so yeah, I'm very, I'm very easy to find. And on the website at stevefarber.com, we've got a lot of, uh, a lot of great resources, video and audios and, you know, the blog lives there and I've got a you know, digital learning experience and lots of really great stuff. So I, I invite you to come check it out. Awesome. Well, thanks, Steve, uh, for joining us, and uh, hopefully we'll run into you soon out there on the road. Thank you, John.